Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Brandon Frank here. Today's guest is Tara Carey from the Eastman Chemical Company, and we're going to be talking about molecular recycled plastics, especially for the beauty and cosmetics industry. It's a very interesting topic, and Tara is the perfect one to kind of guide us through what it is and why it's important and why the future is probably going to have a lot of this new material in it. So I think it's a great episode and hope you enjoy. Here we go. Well, hey, Tara, welcome to the Packaging Brothers podcast. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for taking the time. And I'm really excited about, you know, everything that molecular recycled plastic is kind of bringing to the marketplace. And I know Eastman is obviously taking a really kind of strong leadership role and you're instrumental in what Eastman's doing. Is that right? Yeah, we're really proud of the leadership role Eastman's taken in molecular recycling and bringing options to packaging for cosmetics in particular. Awesome. Well, before we jump into all of the complexities and interesting things about molecular recycled plastics, we'd love to hear just a little bit about your background in packaging. Sure. So I've been in packaging or some form of packaging for about 20 years. I worked for Hankel for a number of years in electronics packaging and came to Eastman to lead the cosmetics and personal care segment for packaging materials. So what was it about kind of the experience at Henkel that you think kind of prepared you for what Eastman's doing and kind of the future development of this new technology? So I think the connection that I make is the connection between the visual appearance of the package. I did a bunch of optoelectronics, for example, for Henkel and that actual functionality. So connecting those two things is a very common thing in a cosmetics package where you want the beauty and the appearance to represent the brand but you also need it to do certain things functionally in order to provide a safe and effective package. Yeah. Okay. So all of your background in there is obviously going to be really helpful. You're focusing in on the cosmetic packaging market. Yes. That's my focus here at Eastman. Great. And what's kind of unique about that market compared to all the other markets? So I think what's unique about that market is that the cosmetics brands have for years leveraged the ability to make a really attractive package on the shelf drive purchase intent. So it makes them very recognizable. It makes them very enticing to the consumer. And so that aspect of it creates a different dynamic than, say, your average food package or flexible pod package that you use for shampoo, for example. Got it. So for cosmetics and beauty, the aesthetics are a little bit more important or a lot more important. Yeah, a lot more important. And the complexity of the packages tend to be much higher. So you'll start to see unique shapes, unique designs, and that freedom to make those creates certain demands on the polymer in terms of their characteristics and their ability to flow. Great. So I know that the demand for recycled plastic, whether it's by a manual process or by a molecular process, it has obviously gone up. What characteristics about a molecular plastic kind of is well-suited for the cosmetic market compared to a manual machine recycled content? Right. So all recycling has a place and we love mechanical recycling where it can be used. It's often used in places where you can do opaque packaging or where you have a high tolerance for some of the variability that occurs in mechanical recycling. What is unique to cosmetics recycling is that cosmetics packages where they want to use recycled content 
they want to maintain that aesthetic and quite often they want to maintain the crystal clear look in a very thick wall package. And those two things really demand the purity of a molecularly recycled plastic. So that's a really cool point because really molecular recycled plastic, I mean, it's the only way to get recycled content to have that like really clear kind of virgin plastic look and feel. Is that right? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's one of the features that is the most desirable and also the hardest to describe to your consumers because the plastic is actually chemically indistinguishable. We couldn't tell you whether it had come from recycled content or not just by a chemical analysis because it is the virgin quality. So that's a real advantage when it comes to the brands being able to make exactly what they want to make and for the molders to get the absolute consistency of their normal virgin plastic. It's really cool. Okay, so let's get into the secret sauce here a little bit. How does it all work? So molecular recycling? Yeah. Okay. We source recycled plastic, and in particular, we source recycled polyesters that are not suitable for mechanical streams. So things like heavily colored PET bottles, things that have permanent labels on them, things that have decoration on them that can't go through the mechanical streams, things that are the wrong size to go through the mechanical stream. All of those kinds of polyesters, things like t-shirts, will all be appropriate for polyester recycling in molecular recycling. And so what we do is we take those and we basically depolymerize that polymer back to its starting materials and then build up the original polymer again, that original polyester from those building blocks. Does that make sense? It does, just because I think I'm familiar with it. But I'm trying to imagine one of our listeners who's never heard of molecular recycled. Is there like an analogy or another way to kind of explain it to where they understand going from a polymer like PET to uh, breaking it down to almost a monomer level, right? Or even... So think about it as the Empire State Building. So your polyester is your Empire State Building made out of Legos, right? And you've got blue Legos and you've got red Legos and they're all stacked up and they're put together as this one polyester polymer. What we're doing is we're taking all those Legos back apart and we're sorting them. So I keep all the red ones in one side and all the blue ones in the other side. And those are the starting points for making a new polyester again. That is a great analogy. One, because I like Legos, but two, it's a good visual. So I know that there's probably a lot of questions about, you know, kind of how that process works. I'm guessing there's heat involved, chemicals or some other, like, where is the magic in that depolymerization process? So there's a lot of highly technical aspects of it that I couldn't even begin to describe to you in terms of the actual process itself. But the magic is really in the ability to take an alcohol and break down with heat time, right, to break down that polyester. And it's actually, interestingly enough, a process that Eastman has practiced as much as 40 years ago. So it was originally used in the process that we use to recycle x-ray film. And at the time, there just wasn't enough demand for it. The need for recycled polyesters just wasn't that high. And so we kind of brought it out and refurbished it and brought it into the current day to use for these types of processes. 
And so the interesting thing about it is that it creates that truly circular loop. The materials that are used are then recaptured. And so, for example, if you use methanol to to depolymerize the polyesters, then that methanol is recycled, cleaned, and used again. And you get your starting ingredients out. And those, of course, go into the, the polymerization for new polyesters. So I was unaware that this technology has actually functionally been used in the commercial marketplace for over 40 years. Yeah, I mean, it had been used. We stopped using it a number of years ago when x-ray film quit being a thing quite a while ago. (laughs) Yeah. But while x-ray film was still part of the process, yeah, we used it at a commercial scale for a number of years. And after the x-ray film was processed, would it go back to the manufacturers of x-ray film or would it be sold into other industries? So then you would make the starting point for those materials again. Wow. Okay. So then when x-ray film industry started to go away, there wasn't this real need until the desire for higher quality recycled plastic content kind of surfaced again. Exactly. I mean, if you think about the journey that we've been on as a world, right, in learning about waste and the impacts of waste and why we need to do so much of this reuse and recycling in today's world, that journey really developed over the last 10, 15 years. And so there you started to see the actual demand for these types of materials in high quality, high end types of packaging show up. So I'm going to ask a big question here, but since this technology has been around for 40 plus years and we have a recycling system here in the U.S. that is largely unsuccessful, why hasn't this technology been more kind of wildly adopted? So I think there's a couple of things, but one of the biggest things is collection, right? It's the same reason that glass struggles in the U.S. because collection is hard and it's difficult to get it properly separated and keep it properly separated. Collection continues to be a really big hurdle for even molecular recycling, right? I have to have access to it. So one of the sources that we use, for example, for molecular recycling is used carpets. So old carpet fiber is largely polyester and that fiber is readily available. That's something that is no longer allowed to go anywhere else. And so therefore it's collected, it's bundled and you can get access to it in a way that you can use it. I think that continues to be a big challenge because there's a lot of just clear PET bottles. Those are pretty easy to recycle and pretty profitable to recycle. But if you think about trying to do all these other things that are colored or labeled or have metal on them, that becomes a bigger challenge to get collected and to get collected in a way that's meaningful. Maybe let me ask this question in a little bit of of a different way. Why not recycle all plastics using a molecular process? So you still have limitations in a molecular process. For example, we run two different molecular recycling processes, one of which uses a pretty wide variety of plastics and another, the polyester renewal technology, which really needs to have polyester starting points. Okay. So you need to have them separated. In today's environment, they aren't fully separated in that way. So if you can't get access to the starting material, then you would have a problem building all plastics in this way. And right now, the infrastructure, particularly in the U.S., isn't there to collect all plastics. Yeah. Okay. And if it was there, then this method could be more kind of widely used for other materials as well, but just not yet. Yeah. 
And that's one of the reasons that, as you know, Brandon, we've announced the building of a number of plants, including the Kingsport facility, which will complete this year. And that's one of the reasons that one of our first things that we did was secure feedstock, right? So we went out and we arranged to secure feedstock for these plants to make sure that there was suitable material readily available to us to fulfill the capacity that we had. So we have the plant that's in Kingsport. We have a plant that's announced in Normandy in France. And then we have a third plant that has been announced but has not yet been disclosed on the location, but it'll be in the U.S. that we are making sure they have proper feedstocks allocated to them. Wow. So it sounds like the future is looking pretty bright for the expansion of this technology. Yeah, we have no doubt that the expansion is going to happen. And we've had tremendous response from the customer base. So they are just so excited to have access to a material that gives them the performance and aesthetics that they want without having to compromise. Yeah, I know just personally, a lot of our customers have been very interested in it, but the capacity or the availability of the material has been an issue this year, especially throughout COVID as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been sold out. I mean, we've had such heavy demand for the material that we've been sold out. We're fortunate to be turning the curve on that and having availability come forward now in the second half of 23. So as we expand, obviously, we'll have more and more available to people. And we spent a lot of that time, obviously, getting qualifications completed so that everybody was comfortable with the material. So I think it's a bright feature coming our way. That's great. I wanted to bring up one kind of criticism or critique that I've kind of seen about molecular recycling and wanted you to be able to address it, but it deals with the carbon emissions impact, that it being kind of astronomically or exponentially higher than the kind of manual machine process. Is there any truth to that or what would be kind of your you know response to that criticism? So I think, you know, our position has been from the start that if you can do mechanical recycling, that is absolutely your lowest GHG emission point. So you should do that. Always do that first. The cases where you would use molecular recycling are where mechanical isn't suitable, either from a performance standpoint, from a contamination standpoint, from a safety standpoint, or because you're not getting the aesthetics that you need. What we rely on is that the molecular recycling is substantially lower in GHG emissions than its virgin counterpart. So if I start with fossil fuels, I have a much higher, 30 40% higher GHG emissions than if I use recycled plastic as my starting point. Got it. Okay. So, so in between, if you think about it that way, it's better than fossil fuel. It's higher than mechanical. That's great. And I also understand, and again, I have a very rudimentary understanding of this whole process, but there's lots of different kinds of molecular recycled processes. Some go all the way back to the very, very beginning, and then others have more maybe heat intensive or energy intensive processes as well. Yeah, there are a number of processes that can be used that are considered molecular recycling. And so you do see quite a variety. And in fact, sometimes you'll hear it described as chemical recycling. And in that bucket, you'll also see things like straight up pyrolysis for energy. What Eastman does is all material to material. So we're taking a material in and we will create a polyester or cellulosic material out of that. But 
there does get to be quite a lot of nuance then about how much energy gets used for various processes. And because of that, what we've done is we've always said, as we release these new materials, is that they have to be lower than in environmental impact than our existing processes. So it has to provide a benefit or we won't do it. No, that's great. So going back to the Lego analogy, so Empire State Building, lots of colors, going down to the block level and then reassembling the PET. Another process would take those individual blocks and like crush them down into like dust. Yes. And then reassemble them from there, right? Yes. Okay. I just wanted to bring up the Lego analogy one more time. That was the only reason for that. Legos are fun. (laughs) Okay. So looking forward, let's just kind of say that you're, that some of the brands, or maybe there's some interested parties on this call right now of saying, how can I use this in my brand or in my business? What's kind of the process to like qualify the material and go through those steps? So it kind of depends on where you're starting from. So if you're starting from a co-polyester material now, and you've already got it in your system, and you just want to incorporate recycled content into it, it's pretty straightforward. You're not going to have to make any mold design changes. You're not going to have to make any process changes. You're not going to have to make any shape changes to your bottle because that's all predefined and will work with the Renew materials. Because they are indistinguishable from Virgin, what you're going to want to do is just run a, a quick validation to say, yep, Indeed, I got out what I thought I'd get out and run it through your normal process. We also offer a whole series of RIC1 materials, so they can be recycled through the mechanical recycle stream. And those materials do have slightly different physical characteristics and molding demands. And so if you're changing from, for example, a PETG into a RIC1 material like Crystal One, you'll need to consult with our technical team to make sure that the mold's set up properly and so forth. But then again, you just do your validation, you're good to go. Is it just a matter of like flow rates or heat need or? Usually cooling in the mold. So cooling, okay. because they're much more closely related to PETs, right? To a standard PET, they need a little bit more cooling in the mold. And sometimes they need a little different flow design as well. Well, Tara, I know you're very busy. I can't thank you enough for taking the time and being on our episode today. And thank you for all the helpful information about molecular recycled plastics. So cool. It is very cool. We're really excited about the future for these materials. And I really appreciate you helping us get it out there, Brandon. Anybody that has any questions, feel free to contact me and we'll be happy to set you up with some materials to try them out. Great. And highly encourage everyone to follow Eastman Chemical Company and everything that they're doing in this space. I think like five, 10, 20 years from now, we're gonna look back and it was like, it was during this time that molecular recycled plastics like really started to pick up steam. Well, Tara, thanks again for being on our show. Take good care. You bet, you take care. Thanks, Brandon. Well, thank you all so much for listening to that episode and a special thanks to Tara for being on our show. As always, keep in touch with us, send us your ideas, or if you would like to be on our show or have an idea for a guest, I would love to hear from you. So until next time, take good care. Bye.